The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In the past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Welcome to The Career Confidant, and good afternoon if you are tuning in live. And if you are tuning in by downloading the podcast, thank you for that as well. This is your host for The Career Confidant, Marie Zimanoff, And I'm so happy that you've joined us today because today we're going to be talking about another hot topic in job search. And as you know, if you've been listening to the show This show's purpose is to be here to give you the skills and tools that you need to manage your own career as the world changes. And I was at a job fair today and really had it put in my face again how different work is meeting with lots of professionals that I've seen throughout the years who do contracts and then the contract ends and they have to go back into the workforce and that's what we're here to do is to give you the tools to have the mobility that you need to do that. And so each week I share my experience helping thousands of professionals advance their careers and I bring in industry leaders to help provide career intelligence to help you stay ahead of the curve. So this afternoon, we do have a very special guest. We are going to be talking to the founder and CEO of My Next Level, Erica Bradley. And Erica has such a, a great story. Like many professionals that I work with, she got out of high school, got a job, started to work her way up. And, and kind of realized that there was this ceiling because she didn't have a college degree. And so she has built a program and, and helps people with their interviewing based on her experience having to navigate the, the job field without that university degree, which it, it, did, it sounds like, and Erica will clarify, but it sounds like you did end up going back to get that degree. But boy, it's harder to navigate the, the, the career field, the workforce, when you don't have a college degree. And so I appreciate that you bring that experience to the clients that you work with. Thank you so much, Marie, and you're right. I was one of those people who were told to go to college directly after high school and to save a lot of money, find employment, and you could retire early. But I found that to not be true, and I opted to work full-time instead of pursuing college. At that time, we didn't have online classes. Either you attended Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Tuesday, Thursday. So working full-time did not warrant me going to school full-time. 
so I had to navigate my career path without a college degree. And if it had not been for my ability to interview successfully, I'm not exactly sure that my story would be the same as it is today. I did go back to college, and I did obtain my degree. And so I'm happy to say that I've accomplished that goal later in comparison to sooner. But it is challenging when you're trying to find employment nowadays, especially if you do not have a degree. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's awesome, and congratulations. I know that I've worked with a lot of, a lot of clients that candidates, professionals that tried to go back to school later in life, and boy, then you're juggling family and and work usually, and your degree, and it's a it's quite the challenge and quite a quite an accomplishment. Yes, it is. Yeah, so we are going to be talking today about behavioral interviewing specifically. So if you want to take the advantage of the opportunity to ask Erica a question about behavioral interviewing or interviewing in general, you are welcome to call in live at 866-472-5790 or you can email me at marie, M-A-R-I-E, at astrategicadvantage.com with your questions, and we will answer those. So let's start off here, Erica, with what is behavioral interviewing? Well, behavioral interviewing is designed to determine whether or not an applicant has a necessary skill set for a position. The belief with this style of interviewing is that past behavior indicates future performance. Therefore, your responses should tell a brief, concise story demonstrating exceptional use of the skills necessary for the role. So with behavioral interviewing, the format of your responses has a name, which is STAR. STAR is an acronym for situation slash task, actions or the detailed steps you've taken, and a result. So a lot of times when you're called in for an interview, you'll hear questions that start with describe how you handled, tell me about a situation in which you, give me an example of a time when, you know it's behavioral when you hear questions that start off that way. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about a time. Describe a situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tell people even if they say, what would you do if, if you can turn that into a behavioral question that this is when I've actually done something similar and here was what I did and here was the result, that that can benefit you because a lot of times people ask the what would you do if questions when they're inexperienced interviewers and they, they know they want to get you a situation but they don't quite know the right, the right way to ask it. And that's great. You're exactly right. If you can then turn that around and say, this is what I've done in this particular instance, these are the actions or the detailed steps that I've taken and the result is, then you still have a complete response in a star format, even though the question may not have started with the describe how you handled or tell me about a situation or give me an example of a time when verbiage. Yes, definitely, definitely. And I know that behavioral interviewing seems to be increasing in its popularity still, even though it's been around for a while. It seems like it's still the the mainstay of especially corporate interviewing. Would you say that that's true? I would absolutely say that is true Um, within my personal experience and with the experience of my clients. And I think a part of it is the fact that, as I mentioned earlier, the premise is past behavior indicates future performance. So if an organization can get some consistency around their behavioring and their behavioral model, 
for the interview, then it makes it easier for the organization from a consistency standpoint, but it also gives them an idea of whether or not the candidate will more than likely perform once they are offered a role. Okay, good, good. So looking at kind of interviewing and and I see lots of people and one of the things that they struggle with the most is obviously having the stories, which you kind of got into the star format. Tell me, in, in, um, is that one of the biggest challenges that job, faker, job seekers face is coming up with these stories? Or what do you see as some of the other challenges that job seekers face when they're going to be interviewing? I would say absolutely. Coming up with examples and scenarios is definitely a challenge when preparing for an interview, but I would also say not capturing your responses prior to the interview to ensure your examples are favorable, not understanding what a behavioral interview entails. But if I had to pick one challenge, I would say the biggest challenge, Marie, is the mental aspect of interviewing. I believe we achieve what we think and say. And unfortunately, so many qualified candidates have either told themselves they're horrible at interviewing or have said it, and their behavior follows what they've thought and what they've said. I would suggest if interviewing is a challenge, that the candidates seek information, resources, and people who can help them interview confidently and successfully because the next job actually depends on it. Okay. Yeah, that that mental part of, of interviewing and what we're telling ourselves and, and I even find what people tell themselves is the purpose of an interview often gets in, in their way. Um, so that, that definitely is one of the, the biggest challenges that they face. Yes. And so if you have someone who hasn't interviewed in a while and I just talked to several people today at a job fair I was at who said, you know, I was at this company for 20 years and just got laid off. So obviously haven't really interviewed for 20 years, may have had an internal position there and moved around, but it wasn't the same. What do you see as their first step? How do they start to get prepared for that interview? I would say the first step especially if you've been contacted for an interview, is to believe that you can do the job, which goes back to the mindset and the mental aspect of interviewing. An employer wouldn't contact you if they didn't believe that you could do the job. I would then suggest partnering with someone who interviews well, someone who can conduct a mock interview and provide feedback. And then I understand that not everyone has someone who can help them with a mock interview, and they need to prepare independently. With that being said, I created a downloadable systematic approach that teaches an individual to prepare independently, and it's called four-step interview prep. So the four steps of that concept are as follows. After you grasp a basic understanding of what the behavioral interview entails, you want to review the job description. That's step one. It sounds simple, but if you cannot answer, tell me what you know about this role and the responsibilities, you may want to spend more time with step one. Step two of the process, identify the skills needed for the role. Step three, locate practice questions based on the skills you've identified. So if problem solving is a skill required for the role, you can type the following in a search engine, problem solving behavioral-based interview questions. In other words, you're typing in the skill 
followed by the words behavioral-based interview questions for each skill you identify, and you'll find tons of practice questions on the Internet. The last step of the process, which is step four, begin to prepare your responses in the STAR format ahead of time so you can practice. Although this concept is downloadable, Marie, I teach it in workshops, and I use it when I coach clients individually. This concept actually helped me sustain 18-plus years of employment with various companies. Okay, okay, great. So when you are um, working with a, a, a candidate who's trying to interview, you know, I think it's something that a lot of people do forget to look at the job description or, you know, even just use our common sense to think about what are the skills that they're going to be looking for, what are the, the roles and responsibilities, and build our practice around that. I had a colleague once who was telling people in a workshop that they should spend 8 to eight to 16 hours preparing for every interview. And while I think that's great, I don't know very many people who have that much time, right? right. The interview is, next, is tomorrow and we still have to go to work or deal with kids or whatever and so when you narrow it down by this is these are the things you really need to speak to then our practice becomes a lot more focused so I love that right where we're narrowing down the field of what they might ask us based on this is what they're really looking for in the position yes and, yeah and I'm sorry oh, go ahead I was going to say, in any interview that I've ever been in, whether it's me conducting the interview as a hiring manager or me seeking employment, I have learned that nine times out of ten, there are going to be questions asked that will allow the job seeker, the candidate, to demonstrate whether or not they have the skills for the job. So if on the back end you have identified those skills that are required for the role, now all you have to do is practice your responses in a star format, and when those questions are posed during the interview, you listen for the skill that they're seeking, and then you can share your experiences in a confident manner. Yeah. Yep. Which doesn't necessarily take 8 or 16 hours. No, no. Well, we are going to take a short break, and hopefully if you're listening in, you're getting some, some good feedback here around preparing for your interview. And we'll be back in just a few minutes to continue talking about behavioral interviewing and getting ready and believing that you can. So we'll be back in just a few minutes. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Revez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. 
Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. tuned into the career confidant with marie zimanoff if you have a question or comment for marie or her guest today please call 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 you may also send an email to marie at a strategic advantage.com now back to the career confidant Welcome back to The Career Confidant, and this evening we are talking to Erica Spradley, who is the CEO and and founder of My Next Level. And so we've been talking about behavioral interviewing and what is behavioral interviewing, how how do you succeed in behavioral interviewing. And before we went to break, Erica shared her four steps in terms of looking at the job description, identifying the skills, finding practice questions that are based on those skills or speaking to those skills and then preparing responses in that star format ahead of time and that's a situation task action result i know some people talk about challenge action result or other formats they all have the same kind of idea and you know i talk to a lot of job seekers who think that that practicing isn't very important. And so I'm interested to see, Erica, how you find that writing the responses and practicing them goes into making a a response effective. Well, it's so funny. In my workshops, Marie, I tell people that the secret to interviewing successfully is practice. When you practice your responses ahead of time, and they are effective, you're more confident when you interview, especially if you've identified the skills necessary for the role and prepared examples demonstrating skill proficiency. Athletes practice. Entertainers practice. Those who win awards in their field of choice and are known as the greats are often known for their countless hours of practice. Typically, they do not wait until the performance or right before a game to practice. Their practice is ongoing. So when you have that effective interview preparation, that practice, you have an increased level of confidence, which can lead to a successful interview. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I say this to people when I teach workshops that they say, oh, well, I don't want to sound rehearsed. And I said, well, you know, to me, it, it kind of sounds like your options are either to be unprepared, to sound rehearsed, or to be so familiar with what you're going to say that you don't sound rehearsed guess what that third option actually requires the most practice right if you want to sound rehearsed that means you've gone over it a little bit you you know what you were going to say and so it sounds a little like you've planned it and that's okay to me but boy if you want to sound natural sounding natural doesn't mean that you haven't done it, it actually means that you've done it a lot, right? That you're the Michael Jordan of interviewing and you just are out there every day, practice, practice, practice. Yes, practice, practice, practice. And practice makes perfect. I can remember as a child, I loved to sing and loved to dance. And so when there was a song that came on the radio that I liked, I didn't know all of the words when I first heard it. 
I had to listen to it over and over and over again, and I learned through repetition. And eventually, I learned all of the words, and I would sing the song right along with the artist. Did I have to practice? Yes. Was there a little bit of rehearsal? Yes. But at some point, I was confident enough to sing all of the words to the song. So I review interviewing and the practice that goes along with those responses in the same way. All right. So what else makes an effective answer? So we're practicing it. How do we know that our answer is going to be effective? That's a great question, and I'm so glad you posed this question. Some employment candidates leave an interview feeling like they've excelled during the interview when, in fact, they have accomplished the exact opposite. In my Effective Responses interview e-guide, I share the following regarding an effective response. You must have a beginning, a middle, and an ending. So if you think of your responses as a story, every great story has a beginning, a middle, and an ending. The content of your responses, also known as your story, must be confident, it must be organized, it must be easy to follow, and communicated effectively. So going back to that STAR method that we talked about earlier, you state the situation, that situation task, which would be the beginning of your response. You explain the steps to resolution in detail, which would be the middle, those actions that we talked about earlier. And then you share the outcome of the steps you've already taken, which is the ending of your story, which is the result. So an effective response is a complete response that contains enough information to determine whether or not you have the skills for the role. Okay, good. And when someone's creating that kind of story, do you have any parameters in terms of how long their story should be or how do you help them make sure that it's going to be a, a full story? Well, content is king. In the workshops, I present a couple of responses, and we have dialogue around whether or not it's effective. One response is longer than the other, but both contain the situation task, the actions, and the result. So there are people who would, of course, say, well, the shorter the scenario, the better the response, while others would say, well, there's more detail and it's lengthier, so that's better. But just remember that content is king. You don't want to, of course, not give enough information because then the employer can't necessarily tell whether or not you have the skills for the role. And you don't want to ramble on and talk forever and never get to your point or the result of the scenario you're sharing. So I share with my workshop attendees and my clients that your situation as well as the result from that STAR format usually should not exceed two to three sentences. The lengthiest part of your response is going to be the middle, the actions, those detailed steps that you've taken. Okay. Perfect. And so you're, you're really focusing on explaining how you did something so that people can see how you work. Yes, absolutely, because we're trying to discern as the employer whether or not you have the skills to be effective in this role. But not only that, you don't want to have average responses. You want the best responses possible because employers are looking for the best talent. Yeah. In order for them to tell whether or not you are the best person for the role, you have to be able to demonstrate your skills through your words and your ability to communicate. I call it speaking the language of skills. Okay. Good, good. And 
within that, I think it wraps in experience. I have a lot of people who say, oh, you know, these are the skills that I have. Yeah, you know, and we can talk about transferable skills, but what an employer really wants to know is when have you used those skills and what what have you produced, which is kind of that situation result, which is a smaller part of it. But I, I think especially the results are really big, important part because if we forget that, you're saying I've done all these things, but you're missing what the employer is really looking for is, sure, I've got a million people that can you know, type 60 words per minute. I want to know, can you help my business achieve the goals that we're going to want to achieve based on your previous experience? And the story really allows you to do both of those things, talk about the skills, but then also talk about how you've helped bring value through those skills or how you've applied those skills in a relevant way. Absolutely, Marie. What value add do you as a candidate bring to an organization? Why should an employer hire you over the next person? And if you're not able to articulate that with confidence, then there's a good chance that they may select someone else. Yeah, and that goes right back to that confidence piece. Um, so let's talk first before we go further into confidence because we're, we're going to go there. But what makes a response ineffective? So we've been talking a little bit about, you know, effective responses have the story, they get across the skill sets, they're organized, they are confident, easy to follow. What makes a a response ineffective? I would say what makes a response ineffective is when it is incomplete, meaning the candidate has not stated the situation, they have not shared the detailed action steps, they didn't articulate the result. So a response is ineffective when someone has shared a ton of verbiage, a ton of information, but they haven't fully answered the question. And I think this, again, is where the practice and the preparation of the responses comes into play. The goal is to communicate effectively and professionally, sharing your best examples, not average ones, And I think that is what encompasses an ineffective response, the fact that it's incomplete. Yeah, yeah. And we've we've just got a few minutes here before we go to break and when we say goodbye to Erica. So I want to, to finish up here by talking about confidence. And tell me what you see as why we get nervous, right? Why do candidates get nervous? And what advice would you give someone to build their confidence or to come into that interview with confidence? I would say for people who are nervous and they experience nervousness when it comes to interviewing, a lot of times it's because they don't know what's going to be asked. So if we go back to that four-step interview prep concept that I mentioned earlier and you identify the skills that are necessary for the role and you've prepared those responses ahead of time, you now have an idea of what they will be asking. You may not know the exact question, but you know that if the role requires that you have analytical skills, that they'll probably ask you a question so that you can demonstrate whether or not you have analytical skills. And I would say for someone who needs help with confidence, Marie, if you have the option to record yourself, articulating your interview responses on your computer, tablet, or phone, do that. You can identify things you're doing well in addition to any areas of opportunity. I would also suggest encouraging yourself instead of feeding your mind negativity. And lastly, practice. Practice, practice, practice. If you can practice your responses in 15-minute intervals so that you don't overwhelm yourself, 
you will practice until your confidence increases. It can be very challenging when you're already feeling as though you're not a confident interviewer to sit down and try to figure out your effective responses for an hour or 90 minutes at a time. But if you take one question, one response, and you practice and prepare your responses in 15-minute intervals, play them back, or if you don't have the option of audio or recording yourself, you can write them down. Whichever way you choose to capture them, review them, listen to yourself speak, and over time, you'll build your confidence. Yes, and, you know, like we were talking about before, that practice is really what makes us feel like we go in and we know what we're going to talk about. I give a lot of speeches, and it's funny, some of the nervous that I've had when I just have to get up and talk about myself because it's not a topic we talk about that often. It's not something you prepare, but you know, you asked me to go and do a presentation on resumes or interviewing or any of those things, and it's no problem. Well, very much less nervousness because I do it all the time. And so as you're looking at going to interview, what you're talking about, Erica, is the same thing, that if you don't want to be nervous, do the preparation, write it down, Practice out loud. Do whatever you can do to really feel like you've got a handle on what you're talking about. Absolutely, Marie. Well, thank you so much, Erica, for joining us today. And for those of you who are listening, you can check out Erica Spradley at My Next Level. And at MyNextLevel.com? It is actually www.my. N-X-T-L-V-L dot info. So it's my next level minus the E's dot info. And I'm also on Twitter. So if you have questions or comments, you can tweet me at the letter N, Turview Mentor. That's N-T-E-R-V-I-E-W-M-E-N-T-O-R. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Erica. And for those of you who are listening, we are going to come back in just a few minutes and I'm going to share some more interview prep ideas with you and get you going on your interview preparation for that great opportunity that's coming up. So we'll be right back in just a few minutes. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Simonoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. What do business and sports have in common? Both are based on competition, and the goal of each is the same, to win. If you're in business, you need an edge over your competitors. You need to innovate and improve. You need to make adjustments to stay ahead of your competition. Tune in to The Business Locker Room with Kelly Riggs. Get the playbook and the coaching you need to improve your business performance. The Business Locker Room airs live every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant, and we've been talking about the basics of behavioral interviewing with Erica Spradley, who was on the line for the beginning of the show, and she had some great tips about thinking about behavioral interviewing and the the four-step process of looking at the job description, determining the roles, find practice questions that speak to those roles, and then prepare responses in the star or car format ahead of time. And when you're thinking about preparing, I think it's so overwhelming for some people. They want to be able to answer every possible question. And reality is that we cannot guess, right? We cannot guess what they're going to ask. I had a client once who was asked how she liked her coffee. Right? They asked her how she'd like her coffee. And she was going for an administrative assistant position. So her, the first thing that came to her mind was, well, I can make coffee in any way that people like it. <laughs> and you know that, who knows what they were trying to get out of that question, if they liked her answer. And so we, you know, we'll have the flexibility to think on our feet. And if we've thought about the basic things that they're going to be asking for, prepared to answer them, will be in a much better place when we walk in that door. And we talked about interviewing a few months ago and went through some of the frequently asked questions. I think it's important to develop answers to those as well. Tell me about yourself, worst boss, favorite boss, where you see yourself in five years. Some of those questions that traditionally, especially at Traditional companies are still being asked at every interview, so you can prepare those frequently asked questions and then some of the behavioral-based questions that align with the job you're interviewing for. But I want to take a step back, and I want us to think about the best sales experience that you've ever had. So you went to buy a car or some kind of major purchase And I want you to think about what made that experience good, how the people interacted with you, who it was that that you were talking with, how you felt when you were with them. Now I want you to think about the worst sales experience you've ever had. Again, maybe you were trying to buy a car and you had one of those stereotypical car salesmen in in quotes some of my best friends are car salesmen but I car salesmen but I think that they they can approach it differently but that time where someone was just really on your nerves and maybe you end up not making the purchase and I want you to think about how that person made you feel and what your reaction was to them Now, you're probably going, okay, Murray, what in the heck does sales have to do with an interview? Well, what I hear from a lot of people when they're going into an interview is that they feel like they have to sell themselves, like they have to sell their skills. And as Eric pointed out at the very beginning of the show, you're being brought in for the interview because they've already determined that you have the skills that they're looking for. 
the interview is not to sell those skills. And even if it is, you want to be a good salesman, right? And if you do any looking at anything about sales, they talk about the, the difference between selling a product, having a relationship sale, and then the highest level is having that consultative sale, right? Where you're really looking at how can I add value for this person? How can they add value for me? And it's that consultation that leads to a good relationship long term, not just to close a deal. And for most of us, when we're going into an employment situation, we want it to be long term, right? So we need to have that focus when we go in at the interview, that this is a relationship-based sale, which means we're going to ask good questions. We're going to foremost focus on connecting and building relationship with those people and then making sure that they understand how what we have can fit their needs. A lot of that goes into the preparation in an interview, knowing what some of those needs might be so that we can tell them about what we have that will meet those needs, right? Companies spend millions of dollars and lots of hours building sales materials, marketing materials, and in essence, that's what your interview preparation is. It's being able to come up with a sales demonstration of your skills so that you can share that in an interview. And it still needs to be a, a relationship style, cons- consultative style of approach in that interview because you're looking for a long-term relationship. You're not looking just to sell one product and move on, right? You want that that lifetime relationship with those people. So if you're thinking about going into an interview and like lots of the candidates I work with, some of your nervousness, some of your stress is, oh, I have to sell myself. They have to know how great I am. I will just ask you to take that off the plate. They do need to know what you can do. They do need, you do need to be able to speak to your skills. But that is not the number one focus. The number one focus is relationship. Do they like you when you leave? Do they think you'll work well with them? Which comes from the answers of your behavioral questions. But not necessarily the skill itself, but how you operate. They're looking for, will you be a good fit? And if we try to overguess that and, and meld our answers too much to what we think they're looking for, we're going to drive ourselves a little bit batty. So come up with answers, practice them, make sure they don't negative, they don't blame anyone, they don't talk bad about people. Those are the, the things we're looking out for. But in general, we want to be genuinely telling a story about things that we've done, how we genuinely work so that people People can see if it's a good fit, and we can be a good fit when we get there, right? It doesn't do us any good to, to land a job for a month or two that is a horrible fit for us, and we end up leaving, or is a horrible fit for us, and we end up getting let go. Neither of those work. So when you're thinking about preparation, think about what you really want to get out of the interview. What are, what are your goals? And challenge yourself to putting so much pressure on yourself about selling your skills, selling yourself, and how can you connect with people? How can you learn and share and build a relationship that you hope will will be lasting, right? Because that's how you'll get that offer that we're talking about. So we talked a little bit about preparing a story for a behavioral interview. And 
And Erica used the star format, situation, task, action, result. I tend to, to go a little bit more for the either challenge, action, result. Because when you're telling a story, there's a little bit of sex appeal, right? There's a little bit of get me interested. And I like challenge. I like you to think about challenge so that you can paint a picture for me of the situation in a way that's a little bit more uh, sexy. I don't, that's the only word I got today. So thinking about painting that picture a little bit for me. The other format that I like is comes from Susan Whitcomb, who I was visiting on the show about a month ago talking about leadership. And Susan came up with a format that she called SMART. So it was situation metrics, right? What were the measurable goals you were trying to achieve, which I think is important in the in a lot of professions for sure. Then those actions, then the results. Lots of times the result re- reflects back to the metrics. So if you're having trouble with a, with a result for a story, think about at the beginning, what were you trying to achieve? Again, what was that challenge? What were the metrics that were, that were placed on you need to achieve X, Y, or Z? Then the result, did you get there? And then the one thing I like about the SMART stories that Susan came up with is that T is the tieback or theme. And this is goes to a concept that a recruiter who hopefully I'll be able to get on the show talks about connecting the dots and that employers are looking for people who can connect the dots. And that T is all about being able to say, this is my story, this is how it relates to what you're looking for. So when I was with Colorado State University, one of my challenges was recruiting women into engineering, right? There were, I think, 10 females in out of like 500 undergraduates when I got there and two or three female graduate students out of 100 when I, when I got to the program. And the undergraduate coordinator and I, that was one of our goals, was to increase the number of women in the department. So through some specific recruiting activities, going after females, making sure that they they got some extra follow-up, that they got to meet with the females that were already there. All of those pieces, we were able to increase those numbers. So if I was interviewing for a, a corporate recruiting position, let's say, I could use that story and say, so I, looking at your organization and that you're trying to achieve diversity as well, by looking at your website, it looks like you've got a, a mission to recruit diversity. I believe that I could be helpful to you in achieving that. So I could do it with a statement, right? That's a tie back as a statement. could also do it with a question. In your organization, based on your website, it looks like diversity is one of your goals. In what way are you, are you really trying to increase your diversity? Do you have a specific goal around that? So there's a, a tie back with a question. Tie back with a question works better in an interview with a hiring manager, right? If you're with an HR person, they might not be able to answer the question or they may have a list and they're trying to move through the list of questions and you throw them off by asking a question. But when you're with the hiring manager, second or third interview, depending on the process, you may 
use the tie back as a question to create more of a conversation between you and the interviewer. So you've gone through the story, situation, metrics, action, result, and then that tie back is a way to either share how you see your skills impacting that organization or to ask a question to get feedback on how those skills might impact the organization. And it's all about connecting the dots. Don't just tell me what you can do. You know, transferable skills, if you've heard me talk, transferable skills are one of my pet peeves because they aren't magically transferred. They're transferred when we translate them and we communicate how they make impact to the employer and really have they, how they've made impact in the past. Because as Erica said, the whole idea behind behavioral interviewing is that past results indicate future performance or past behavior will be your future performance. And so we want to think about that when we're telling our stories and we're coming up with those things. The other thing Erica brought up was the idea of practice and the idea that if we're practicing on our own, it may be helpful to record ourselves. One of the things that I have people in my workshops or clients that I'm working with do is create your story, bullet points, write it out, whatever works for you. Call yourself, leave yourself a voicemail with that answer and call and listen to it later, right? If you have the opportunity to, to listen to it later that day or even, you know, let the night go by so that you have a little more objective approach to evaluating your answer, call, leave a voicemail, listen to it later. I recommend that people start with stories that are around two to three minutes long. Obviously, the amount of content you have will drive that answer, but just as something to shoot for. If you're over three minutes, people have probably tuned out. If you're much under two minutes, you may not have enough detail in there, and that, and that may be a little wiggly, but if you're under two minutes, you might look at, am I, am I going too fast? Do I really have enough detail to make a good story? The answers to both of those are, are yes, and it, the answer is still under two minutes. It's probably okay. But thinking about that and listening to yourself, record yourself. Your mock interviews are great, and I find that depending on the way it's done, I used to do video mock interviews, and everyone would sit and critique their own They'd critique how they looked instead of critiquing the things that matter, right? And some of those mannerisms matter, and some of those mannerisms are things that we just pay attention to. So calling and listening to yourself can actually be just as effective as a video interview, where you may get some of those ticks that you're doing visibly and listening to what you say can be just as important. So we're going to come back in just a few minutes and close out our conversation about interviewing today and give you your Get Career Smart tip for the week. So we'll be back in just a few minutes. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network 
You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant, and tonight we are talking about interviewing and we've talked about the story format and practicing that and different ways to practice getting your stories out. And as we're kind of closing up our time here about stories and telling your story, I want you to think about that explaining and telling your story is really your chance to to be authentic, to tell people to tell people how you work, right? And so as you're developing those stories, you want to pick times that are good examples, times and examples that will be well-received. But the nice part is that it's still authentic, right? It's still what you've done. Now, sometimes people will say, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, you know, well, I don't really want to practice because I'll sound rehearsed. So I'll tell you a story. I was working with a candidate, high-level candidate um, product development, and he was interviewing for, for positions. Things were moving along, getting interviews. And I talked one day and said, how are things going? And he said, well, I just had an interview yesterday. And I said, oh, that's great. How did you think it went? He said, well, it was going pretty good until they asked me about a time I'd had a conflict with a boss And I started telling a story, and I got to about the middle of the story and realized that the story ended with me getting fired. And I wasn't quite sure where I was going to go. I said, well, what did you do? He said, well, I told the story, and, and I shared that I got fired at the end. Oh, well, how did that go over? I don't think it went over very well. But there was kind of long silence on the other end. Oops, right? So when we're thinking about why we practice, that is why we practice. So that you're not nervous, you know you have an arsenal of stories that you can tell, 
but mostly, as Erica said, so that you know those stories are going to go over well. You've worked it through. You've thought it through. You have it organized, which is going to help the story be told well. And you know how it ends, right? And you know that that ending is going to do well for you. The other thing is, we talked a little bit about ineffective responses. It's important they're complete. It's important they have that result. Very important they have have that result. It's also important that it's a story. If I ask you, tell me about a time when, and you say, I usually do, or, you know, that happened a lot in my last job, and what I did was, it's not an example. It's not a tell me about a time. And so you don't get the same power that you do when you tell a story, a specific, memorable story that has a beginning, middle, and end. And when you're, when you're in that interview, we've got, I've got two Get Career Smart tips for you today, two bonus, double bonus. So the first one is something that Erica and I talked about earlier, and she mentioned how the greats in every field practice, right? And I think if you, and that's overdone, everybody talks about it, but if you look at Michael Jordan, right, if you, follow me at all, you know, I'm an NBA, NFL gal, you look at Michael Jordan, and he, especially inspiration to someone like me, who was not the greatest athlete, right, but practice, and he worked his tail off to be where he was, he didn't have necessarily that natural ability, although I think he, he did, he got there, but it took longer to blossom than a lot of other people and he made it and, and got there and made it blossom by his work ethic. And I won't name names, but there are several other people in, especially the NBA, that they talk about and are kind of notorious for, yeah, they had this great talent, but they didn't practice, they didn't apply themselves, they didn't do the things that really matter. And so they were never great, right? They were never great. And so if you want to be great at interviewing be that Michael Jordan, right? Do the work, do the practice. doesn't have to be eight, 8 to 16 hours. It's just thoughtful, getting your stories together, practicing them, having that arsenal of stories before you go in. The second thing, and I was at a, a Rotary District Conference this weekend. I love Rotary. It's, it's a great service organization. I've got some great leadership opportunities out of that organization. And one of the things that was talked about a lot was that people don't remember what you say. And people sometimes even don't remember what you do. But people remember the way you made them feel. And so as you go into that interview, yes, we want to practice what we say. Yes, we want to look at how we look and do we fidget and what we do. But people are going to remember how you make them feel. And that is what you're practicing for. You're practicing those stories so that they're memorable. You're practicing those stories so that they're clear and concise and powerful. Not because of the words necessarily and even the skills, although that's important, but because when you walk out of that room, you want them to feel that you are confident, that you could walk in and do the job tomorrow, 
that you're going to be fun to work with, that you're the right amount of confident, right? You're not boastful and, and overdone. You're not, you're not so quiet that you're going to be overridden, but that you made them feel like, yes, we want to have this person on our team. That's the goal that I would wish for you to have when you go into an interview. That what you say is important, what you do is important, but that people remember how they feel when you leave that room. So that's your Get Career Smart tip for today. Hopefully you're following along at GetCareerSmart.com. And you can always reach me at Marie, M-A-R-I-E, at AStrategicAdvantage.com. And we look forward to having you next week as we continue talking about the skills and tools that you need to transition and advance your career. And thank you for joining and listening The Career Confidant. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then. 